Hey, hi, hi. Hey, everybody. It's Harlan Williams here at the Harlan Highway Podcast. Thank you for uh, joining in today. Interesting show today. Um, We're going to be taking a phone call from one of the pavement pounders asking me about my guitar playing abilities. Wow. Um, I never did learn the guitar. I never really picked it up, but I tried. And kind of an interesting story about my attempt at learning to uh, play guitar. I actually bought a guitar, and when you listen to the show, you'll hear where I got it and the hijinks it led to, uh, but I never really learned to play it. So uh, that's going on today. Also, very uh, very topical uh, story, a controversial story, uh, a lot of... Uh, hoopla being raised about uh, the African-American community being snubbed uh, in this year's Oscar race. And there's a lot of people crying foul, and there's a lot of people scratching their heads, wondering why. And uh, we actually have a professor from, uh, from Berkeley, California, from uh, Berkeley, the, uh, the university, the college, and uh, he is a professor of African-American social services, uh, Professor Rutherford Grimes will be here to help us figure it all out today on the Harland Highway. You're listening to Harlan Williams. Harlan, funny stuff, bro. Funny stuff. Keep it coming. Later. How long have you had this job? Long enough. He's fine as long as he gets his medication. He doesn't get his medications. He's not fine. Right. You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. You're a groovy boy. I'd like to strap you on sometime. The Harland Highway. You're all going to experience intense mental, physical strain. All right, hold tight on the Harland Highway show. You're listening to Harlan Williams. Welcome to the Harland Highway. Hello, everybody. How are you today? I hope you're doing good. I know I'm doing good. Um, what are we getting into today? Uh, I believe that uh, we're going to be talking about some a pretty controversial issue today. Um, apparently the Oscars are coming up and, and the Oscar, uh, nominations have been released. And, uh, as it turns out, no black Af- or African-American actors, uh, were nominated this year, despite, uh, despite some, some great work from African-American actors. Uh, I didn't see the movie Selma, which was about the, uh, you know, chronicled portions of Martin Luther King Jr.'s life. Uh, but apparently no one was nominated, uh, from, from, uh, from that movie. And I guess there were some other movies where the, you know, the African-American presence at the Oscars was quite low this year compared to last year. Now, personally, I'm a guy that goes, this, this is movies, this is art. And you can't force or tell people what to like or what not to like, whether it's an actor or a movie or anything. And if one year there are movies where there's 30 movies and there's African-American actors or Latino or Chinese, whatever, and people love the movie and they love the work, they vote for it. 
if they don't really love it, they don't vote for it. But you can't put racial labels on movies like that because it's it's not fair. It, it's suddenly everyone's going to be paranoid about making movies and suddenly you're not going to be make, mo- making movies or hiring actors for the right reasons. Now, there's some years where, like last year, uh, a big uh, African-American presence, great. The, there were great movies, great performances. People deserved it. The, the, the work deserved it. And other years, they're not. It, that's We should be basing all this stuff on, on the work and the movies and not what the balance is because, you know, that, that just doesn't seem fair to me. Nobody's trying to purposely exclude African-Americans, but, you know, if, if an African-American actor gives a crappy performance and a white or Latino or Chinese person does a great performance, you got to go with the great performance. And if, and if it's the other way around, the black performance is the best one, you go for the black one. That, that that's To me, that's just simple. And I get a little worried when people start like like whipping up this frenzy about, oh, well, it's out of balance and it's this and it's that. Well, when it comes to art and people's tastes, you got to let them pick. And, and I, as far as I know, the Oscar thing is a voting process where people uh, in the Academy view all the movies and view the material and, and, and vote based on what they like the most. I doubt that people sit there and go, well, I really like that movie because there was an African-American in it. I'm not going to vote for it. I, I, if they do do that, they should be kicked out of the Academy. But, I, you know, I, I have to believe, I want to believe that people vote on stuff based on what it is. But it is controversial. And I guess uh, Roger is telling me we have a gentleman on the line who wants to discuss the topic, who's very knowledgeable in in the topic. Uh, it is uh, it's a professor from uh, from Berkeley. Uh, it's Professor uh, Rutherford Grimes, who is a, uh, a specialist uh, in in African American history and and social studies. He's a professor a professor of African American social studies up at Berkeley. And uh, let's get him on the line and and let uh, let him weigh in on uh, on this uh, this debate. Uh, professor Rutherford, are you there, sir? Uh, Professor Grimes, are uh, are you there, sir? Oh uh, yes, I, I'm here. Thank th- thank you very much. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, great to have you here uh, f- for this uh, this uh, talk. Um, just so everyone's aware, you are uh, African American uh, male. Uh, you are uh, Rutherford Grimes, professor of African American social studies up at uh, Berkeley. Uh, absolutely, and we're doing some wonderful work up here. We've been up here for uh, almost two decades, Mr. Williams, uh, doing uh, studies, uh, you know, as as my title suggests, in the African-American uh, community, uh, the African-American population at, at large. An important work it is, sir. Thank you very much. Um, but let's get to... This debate that that I've been talking about, and the, the ex- we're talking about the exclusion of of African Americans at this year's Oscars, and uh, wh- what is your your take on it, uh, uh, P- Professor uh, Rutherford Grimes? 
Well, th- thank you very much, and uh, I-, I think it's unfortunate. Uh, I-, I think uh, there is a-, a general fear in the white community of, of uh, black uh, African-American uh, actors and-, and directors of prominence, uh, producers, and-, and perhaps even at the highest level, CEOs at uh, motion picture companies. Okay, well, well, that's uh, that's all valid, but but I'm not sure I go along with the the, the notion that white people are afraid of of African Americans in the entertainment industry, sir. That that seems a little bold and a little harsh. Well, uh, Mr. Williams, we, we've done a lot of research on this, and uh, we, we can point to uh, direct examples. Uh, we can uh, we can point to direct uh, logarithms of, of when African Americans show up prominently during these ceremonies and when uh, you know African Americans have basically had to sit it out, if you know what I mean. So sit it out and been excluded, uh, shut out of the party, if you know what I'm saying. Well, okay, if you can cite an example of of, of you know, I don't know how you gauge when the white community is frightened off by, by the black uh, community. That, that seems a bit outdated to me. Well, do you know this actor, uh, African-American actor, wonderful actor named uh, Forrest Whitaker? Yes, of course, Forrest Whitaker. He's, he's won an Oscar, I believe, and been nominated. Uh, very, very great work out of him. He's been in, in many, many movies. Absolutely, and, and I'm not sure, but are you familiar with Forrest Whitaker's left eye? What, what do you mean? Uh, well, he got two eyes. He got one on the right and one on the left. Yeah, well, I know he's got two eyes. But that left eye, have you ever seen Forrest Whitaker's left eye? Well, yes, if I've seen his movies, I, I would have had to by default. And that left eye, sometimes that left eye just opened wide and nice and almost like an owl. Looked like an owl eye, just beautiful and nice and full of life. And then other times you see movies where Forrest Whitaker, his eye looked all beat down. It looked like somebody smashed him all up with, a, with an axe handle or something like that. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, Professor. Yeah, that eye look all smashed up. Like maybe, maybe he got allergy to, uh, maybe he got a peanut allergy, and I don't know if he got something in his eye. He been rubbing it all night long, maybe for 15, 20 days. It's all weepy and pussy, and it's closed up, and you can barely see his eyeball in that in that puffed up eye. Okay, well maybe that's just a physical ailment. Well, our research, Mr. Williams, showed different, and there's a correlation. Uh, based on our research that uh, when Forrest Whitaker's left eye, hear me now, if Forrest Whitaker's left eye all nice and round and plump and looking healthy, uh, there seemed to be a lot of African-Americans involved in the Oscar ceremonies. Okay. Uh, but if his eye all beat up and it looked like maybe someone took a canoe paddle to the side of his face or maybe he was walking through the woods and a branch go in his eye and his eyes all closed up and sealed like an Egyptian tomb, uh, we find that the white people get scared and and veer away from the African-Americans in the entertainment industry, the actors, the directors, and so on, and right up the pecking chain. Wait a minute. Wait. Now, now, now. Hold on, uh, Professor Rutherford Grimes. This is a little outrageous, a little insulting, not only 
you know, to white people, but uh, probably to Forrest Whitaker. I mean, may, the, the, you're, you're basing, you're basing the, 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 the clarity, the, the condition of his left eye uh, sets the tone for how whites react to blacks at the Oscars. One hundred percent, Mr. Williams, and and it's like a, if you want to think of it in terms of a uh, a logarithm, okay? Uh, it's almost like a thermometer gauge. It, it, you know, when it gets hot, the thermometer go up, and when it gets cold, the thermometer go down. And we found, uh, based on our research, and we've looked at all his movies and all the Oscars, and we we've, we've put them side by side. And we've discovered that when, when, when his eye, nice and plump and round like a giant catfish or a, or a giant squid, and you can see his pupil and, and the white of his eye, oh, there's a lot of black uh, entertainers at the Oscars. Okay. But when his eye all beat up, when his eye all smashed up, like maybe he fell off a roller coaster or maybe, you know, there was an old lady on a porch in a rocking chair and maybe he laid down underneath the rocker and an old lady just kept rocking on his eye, squishing it and then off and squishing it and then off and squishing it and off. I, I get it. She, she's squishing his eye. Or maybe, you know, maybe a, a, a cat, a wild bobcat or something jumped up and just slashed his eye up and bit it all up and it swelled shut. Like, a, you ever see a clam closing in the ocean and just close up real tight and squirt water and whatnot? Okay, his eye does not squirt water, sir. I don't know. Sometimes it gets pretty runny and you can't see in it. And it, during those movies, the, the white people tend to shy away, if you will. They, they start to exclude the black population from the whole Oscar ceremony. And this is this goes right down to our research up at Berkeley, sir. Well, that this is very peculiar. I, I, I'm not sure I'm buying, sir, that, that, that white people, when they see Forrest Whitaker's eye shot or nearly shot, it freaks them out, and, and they don't want black people at the Oscars versus when his eye's looking healthy in another movie that's open, then that's when the, 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 the black community gets in on the Oscars. I, I know it, it may seem about a little bit outrageous, Mr. William, but if you look at it on paper, it's absolute. We're, we're following biorhythms, and we're trending. Uh, all his movies, and it's it's irrefutable science. Uh. Okay, well, if if you're saying that that white people exclude the black community when I can't even believe when Forrest Whitaker's eye is sealed shut. Yeah, when his eye be smashed up, like maybe he got got uh, you know some poison ivy on it or maybe he was walking and he looked up in the sky and he was by a construction site and a brick fell off the top of a building and hit him in the in the left eye or whatever. We don't know how false Whitaker eye, you know, go big and go small all the time. But it it it, it it's all part of a research. So then why how do you explain when African Americans have a good year, and there's multiple nominations for African American actors, writers, and directors, etc. Like last year, 12 Years a Slave 
you know, got all kinds of, of nominations. And I, I believe it won for Best Picture or Best Director. I'm not 100% sure, but, um, you know. Well, we, we attribute that to, are you familiar with a wonderful, wonderful African-American actor, just a treasure to our community, uh, Mr. Morgan Freeman? Absolutely. Everyone knows Morgan Freeman, The Shawshank Redemption, uh, Million Dollar Baby, all, the, all those great movies. That's right. And let's not forget he was on Electric Company in his early years. Yeah, the, the Electric Company show, yes. Uh, well, we, we found that, are you familiar with Mr. Morgan Freeman? Uh, on his face, he got little uh, little freckles all over his cheeks, uh, little little uh, dotty freckles all over his, his, his cute little cheek. Yes, I've, I've seen the freckles. They're kind of like his trademark. The way Cindy Crawford had a, has a mole or Marilyn Monroe had a mole. Well, well, Morgan Freeman, he just got, we don't even know how many. We, we tried to freeze frame his face in, in Shawshank Redemption. We tried to uh, freeze frame his face when he played God in, in Bruce Almighty with Mr. Jim Carrey. And uh, it seemed like the way Forrest Whitaker's eye bounced around like a Mexican jumping bean on a trampoline, uh, it looked like uh, Morgan Freeman's uh, speckles, uh, they come and go like a, like a Tanzania sunset. Okay, what, what's that mean? Well, our research indicated when Mr. Freeman got lots of speckles on his face, uh, African Americans uh, are prominently featured at the Oscars, but when his freckles are down and Morgan Freeman's eye all bashed up, like, you know, maybe he walked into a helicopter propeller, or maybe, you know, he was at a baseball game and, and one of the batters had hit a foul ball at 100 miles an hour and it flew right back and <laughs> it hit Force, it hit Force Whitaker right, right in the eye there. Sir, are you laughing? Uh, no, sir. I got I got a little tickle in my throat, and uh, it's it's just an unfortunate reality for the African American community that Forrest Whitaker's left eye be the gauge for how well we do at the Oscar and Morgan Freeman's uh, speckles also. Uh, but this is this is documented science, sir. Okay, well, you're you're the guy doing the the hard work up at Berkeley, and I'm I'm not going to sit here and contest it. I, I mean. It, it sounds a little far-fetched, uh, Professor Grimes, um, and I'll be honest, as a, as, a, as a Caucasian, as a white person, I feel a little bit insulted that, that you're implying that that's how fickle we are, that if Forrest Whitaker's left eye is all bugged out, we don't want African Americans at the Oscars, but if Morgan Freeman's speckles on his cheeks are in bloom, I guess, or in due prominence, we, we want African-Americans. And I'm glad this research is coming from you and not me because, you know, on its surface, it just seems really off-color, sir. Well, we, we deal with uh, facts and we, we deal with figures and, and we just call it as we see it. And we are working very hard up here at Berkeley and we, we hope next year that Forrest Whitaker get some eye cream or maybe a patch uh, and maybe his eye get back to normal and nice and round like a like a pumpkin eye or something because uh, we, we don't want to sit out uh, in, in such a prominent global celebration of the artistic 
uh, merit of, of human beings in general, and in this instance, Mr. William, the African-American community. I understand, and we don't, want, we don't want anyone sitting out. We want all cultures to be involved in the, in the Oscars, absolutely. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think I'll leave it there because I, I'm, I'm just feeling a little uncomfortable with your, your, your ideas here, sir. Well, I understand, and, and as you know, Mr. William, when it comes to uh, race and it comes to uh, the black and white, uh, the, the, the black and white, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, sir. The, uh, the black and white. Why don't we say dichotomy? And, and, and it's always a tense, but I, I believe we're doing some, some good work up here at Berkeley. And if Forrest Whitaker could just uh, somehow get some toothpicks in his eye and hold them open or, you know, something, maybe do some eyelid exercises, maybe at, at night before bed he, he stretch his eye. Uh, you know, put some string on it or something and stretch stretch that eye out. Maybe next year we're going to have a good year at the Oscar. Okay, well, let's leave it there. Uh, Professor Rutherford Grimes, Professor of African American uh, Social Sciences and Social Studies up in Berkeley, California. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for your uh, insight today. Uh, thank, thank you, Mr. Williams, and uh, enjoy the Oscars nonetheless. We're all human beings. Absolutely. Well said, sir. Uh, there he goes. Um, wow. I'm a little, I'm a little, uh, little dumbfounded by this one, um, but I had no idea. I had no idea that, that they were researching this, that... Um, yeah, he's hung up, Roger. Yeah. He's he's gone. Uh, but I just want to say for the record, uh, th- th- this is these are his uh, opinions and and his research, and I don't know that I necessarily agree with it. So we'll leave it there. We'll let we'll let you folks decide. We'll let the people decide. And uh, boy, I, I did not kind of see that coming. But again, they're the ones doing the work. So uh, let's move on and. Uh, Get on to something else. One cheeseburger with everything coming up. Hello? Hello? Harlan, what's up, my Canadian brother? This is Chuck calling from the Ozarks in the Midwest of the United States of America. Hey, love your podcast, man. To this day, Rocket Man is still one of my favorite movies. I understand we have some things in common, like you like fishing. I live in the bass fishing capital of the world, and you I'm wondering if you play guitar or not. Anyway, love your podcast. Funny, funny, funny. Keep it coming. Well, thank you very much, good sir. I, I will keep it coming. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, I love fishing. Um, I go to a lake up in northern Canada every year, just about every summer, and it's a great bass lake. I go fishing for smallmouth bass, and I have a, a, this favorite spot I go to. It's kind of, I kind of sit the boat about, uh, I don't know, maybe 80 feet offshore. And I cast into this little uh, this little bit of weeds, and in at the weeds, one side of the weeds is shallow, uh, probably about three feet deep, and then right in the middle of the weed patch, there's a drop off 
that goes down to probably about eight or nine feet. And it's just this perfect little underwater shelf where the bass love to sit. And they got the weeds, they got they got their eye on the deep, they got their eye on the shallow, and I always do really well there. Um, so thumbs up right on to bass fishing, man. Um, as far as guitars go, I did try to learn to play the guitar at one point. Um, I was doing a show out in eastern Canada in, I think, New Brunswick or Nova Scotia. And back in the day, I used to have long hair, you know, over my shoulders. I looked like Jesus. And I always loved music, and I always was jealous of guys that could play the guitar. And I thought, man, I just I just got to sit down and do it. And, you know, I didn't know much about guitars and instruments. I just thought, okay, a guitar is a guitar. So I'm out on the road doing some stand-up comedy with these other guys out in eastern Canada. And we're driving along, and I see a garage sale going on on the side of the road, up in the middle of the boonies. And I tell the guy driving, I say, hey, pull over. I want to I wanna go look in the garage sale. And I, I go look, and there's an electric guitar. And the brand name, I still remember it. It was a, it was a K. It was either a capital K or it was K-A-Y. It was a K guitar, and I think basically they made them for, like, you know, low-end stores like Walmarts and stuff like that. And uh, and I was like, oh, it's an electric guitar. Yay. You know, I didn't know. And so I picked up this, this electric guitar. I think I got it for, like, $15 or something ridiculous. And I carried it with me, and I took it back with me on the plane. And uh, it was funny because right away, just the fact that I was kind of looking like a rocker got me the one and only time, well, not the one and only time, but one of the few times I've ever had kind of a a, uh, a flight attendant kind of come on to me. I got on the plane home from Nova Scotia back to Toronto. I've got my long hair. I walk on the plane with the, with this electric guitar <laughs> slung over, over my shoulder. <laughs> I'm sure if, if the if the girl who saw it uh, knew anything about guitars, she would have gone pass low rent. Um, but nonetheless, I look. I guess I looked kind of cool strutting on board with my long hair and my electric guitar. You know, I looked like Bon Jovi. You know, I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride. I'm wanted, wanted, dead or alive. Probably dead. Um, but anyways, um, got on and and we're flying along, and all of a sudden it was it was kind of like uh like like winning a, a raffle or something. Like partway through the flight. The one of the uh, in those days they called them stewardesses. One of the stewardesses came on the loudspeaker and uh, was like, uh, "Yeah, this is a message for uh, the the passenger in flight E thirty seven. If you could come forward and speak to the uh, lead flight attendant, uh, passenger E forty seven. And I I was like, "Wait a minute!" And I looked up and I realized that's my seat. And and I wasn't sure what was going on. And so I thought, well, I guess I'll just wait till the end of the flight or something. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. I was kind of new to flying, and I, you know, I was busy being a rock star. I was busy being Bon Jovi, man. And 
And so I waited till the end of the flight, and as I'm getting off the plane, I go, hey, listen, I was the guy in E-47. Um, wh- wh- I think you guys called me. And and the, the lead flight attendant goes, oh, yeah, Carol, she's one of the uh, attendants here. She thinks you're super hot and wants to go out with you. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what? But this was all as I was kind of in that bye-bye moment, you know, when the stewardess is from Saturday Night Live, thank you, bye-bye, bye-bye. It was kind of right in that moment, so I, I didn't have time to react. I didn't have time. I looked at the at the uh, the, the girl she was referring to who was, who was cute as hell, but my moment passed, and I was like, oh, man, she probably thought it was like some kind of rocker band dude, man, and she wanted to like, you know, all the girls like the, the, the band dudes because I got to be honest, if I didn't have that electric guitar, I don't know if that would have happened, man. So I'm I'm crediting the electric guitar with getting me some heat from the ladies, okay? And then I'm walking down to baggage claim. I'm walking away, and there she is. And I actually said, I said, hey, how's it going? And she looked very flustered and nervous because now, now we were outside the confines of the plane. You know, in the plane, you're you're in that encapsulated world where they're kind of in charge, and they, they've got you kind of in their grip because they, they, you're on their plane and there's nowhere to go. And now that we're out in the real world and we kind of bumped into each other, it was very awkward. And it sucks because back in those days, I wasn't quite as confident with, with the ladies and I, I didn't know what to say or do. And I could see in her eyes that had I just said, hey, let's get together, she probably would have been like, yeah, let's Bon Jovi. And, uh, you know, I was just like, oh, well, um, okay, well, see you later. And she was like, oh, yeah, see you later. And it was just awkward and weird, and I blew my I blew my rock groupie moment. Damn it. So there you go. There's, I, I guess I better stick to bass fishing, right, dude? <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. I wonder if Bon Jovi bass fishes. He probably ass fishes, that guy. Uh, anyways, that's my story. Thanks for calling in. And don't forget, you can call in at 323-739-4330 if you want to leave a voicemail. Or you can write to me at harlanwilliams.com just as easily, and I might read your letter on the show. Um, always fun to get mail and phone calls from you guys. Um, and uh, there you go. I'll leave that right there. How's that sound, boys and girls? Let's get to some announcements. I know you love this part, but, you know, I like you guys to know where I'm at so that, uh, you know, you can get out and see me live and have some laughs with me, man. Um, So what is going on? What is going on next? Let's see. Uh, This weekend, oh, my God, so exciting. Uh, This weekend, I will be... Uh, in San Francisco at Sketchfest, okay? You got to come out for this thing. Sketchfest is um, it's going to be great. I'm going to be doing the Harlan Highway podcast live at a theater in San Francisco at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to be a two-hour show. It's going to be a blast. So uh, go online. Go to harlanwilliams.com. And uh, get your tickets at the, uh, under my stand-up comedy schedule page, okay? 
Um, and uh, also I'll be doing other shows around town. You can also find those at the uh, same link on my uh, on my site, harlanwilliams.com. While you're there, look around the site. Join my YouTube channel starting February 1st. We start airing the first episode of my epic movie, my, my almost four-hour movie that I wrote and directed called Fudgy Wudgy Fudge Face, probably the dumbest movie ever made, full of great comedians, and it's twisted and demented. If you like twisted and demented movies, you'll probably get off on this thing. Um, but it's a long movie, so I decided to release it in five-minute segments every Monday and if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, you will you will be the first to see the episodes every Monday. So hopefully they bring you some laughter. All you got to do is go to my website, and at the bottom of the homepage, you'll see the YouTube icon. Just click on it, and you're subscribed. No gimmicks, no tricks. You're just on board. So uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I hope I hope you guys get on the fudgy-wudgy-fudge-face train. Um, and then the following few weeks in February, uh, I will be in Orlando, Florida, the first week of February at the Improv. And then in the middle of February, I'll be at the West Palm Beach Improv in Florida. And then the last week of February, or the third, yeah, the last week of February, I'll be at the Brea Improv in California, Southern California. Really cool stuff, Flirtle Nergens and Blurgo Bloggins. Um, don't forget uh, to check out my app if you have an Android phone, Fallopio. If you want to shoot sperm in the fallopian tube, it you will have a lot of fun. It's on the homepage of my website. And don't forget the store. You can pick up T-shirts and paraphernalia and goofy stuff. The Magic F-Off T-shirt is for sale in there. Go watch the video. See how it works. I think you'll be hooked. It's a ton of fun. So there you go. That's all we have time for today. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank, uh, I guess, uh, Professor Rutherford Grimes for his analysis of the uh, the race-slanted Oscars. Very interesting insight from him. And I want to thank you guys for being here and listening. Uh, bless you, my children, for you have not sinned. Um, that's it. And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. <laughs>